This is the social program on Radio Islam International, and uh, this week on the program we're speaking about uh, business ethics. Malana Ibrahim Obama joins us on the line. Malana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and assalamu alaikum to all the esteemed listeners of Radio Islam. Jazakumullah khairan, Malana, for taking out the time and joining us on the program uh, this morning. Uh, Mulana, an interesting uh, topic uh, that Mulana has uh, chosen for this morning uh, to discuss uh, business uh, ethics. Uh, Mulana, it's uh, for the opportunity. I, would, I should say that um, uh, I must uh, say that when we looked at uh, different things to, to do and what are the topics that we should be doing, uh, this particular topic did come up and I think it is much more important than what we sometimes uh, give it importance. The fact of the matter is that nearly everyone is involved in trade in some way or the other. We are either buying or we are selling. And um, how do we deal with it? And many times we will also say that many of our listeners at this particular time of the morning are also, uh, you know, the women. And um, would how, I suppose maybe it would be fair to say without without a fear of contradiction, that uh, maybe in the past 20, 30, 40 years ago, women were not so much involved in in business. But now I say there's so many home industries coming up. And uh, it's just amazing that uh, how many home industries. And I think maybe it's also important for us to maybe discuss some of the importance of monetary affairs and also speak about uh, the ethics that go about it. It's not so much uh, with regard to missile. I mean, uh, missile that are easy, we can look at it, but it is more about um, the ethics of, of um, trade. I mean, I'll just give you an example, Morana. Uh, you know, yesterday the Jamiatul Ulama took out a small post, you know, the social media post, that uh, it is not permitted to deal with stolen goods or with goods that are, are you have... A, a strong indication that it is stolen. Right? So when we put it out, I put it out in various groups. So one of the people commented on the group and he said, it is so sad, this is so true, but yet it is so sad that it has to be mentioned specifically. Right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, yes, it's a, it's a true assessment, but it's a reality. That uh, it's so... It, it, to deal with stolen goods, uh, there's a hadith of our beloved Nabi Karim Sallallahu that a person who deals with stolen goods, uh, he, is, he, he shares in the guna of the steal of the of the of the stealing. Now, for us to specifically make mention of it tells you about the ethics that have become prevalent in our marketplaces. But that's a, that's the reality, right? And when the poster went out, someone sent me a voice message and he said, "Wana." Can you bring up this aspect? So I said, tell me what it is. And this morning, you know, uh, he sent it over the night. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. So over the breakfast table, I was listening to it. And he was saying that uh, I'm a professional and uh, everyone knows my, my, my rate. So when I make mention of my rate, that listen, one hour, it will be so much. And then after I see them finished, and many times people will come up and say, but uh, doctor, we only got this much. So he said, I find it so frustrating that beforehand it is known that this is the rates. And after doing it, 
And after taking the entire hour of the professional on a known basis, uh, then they come and said that, doctor, we don't have, uh, we only brought this much. So I'm just trying to think that uh, just by just by the mere advertising of it already, you got some sort of feedback on the uh, on the topic, which tells you that it is a topic that people deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. And maybe we should try and look at it and see how far we go with regard to it. Mm. I think it's so important that, that, that Ma brought up that, that specific example. A lot of times when we discuss business or business ethics, people would think uh, it's only about buying and selling items, but also when someone is providing a service for you, that is also like a trade and a, and a business dealing that you are doing. So when we speak about business ethics, to look at it holistically, listen to, that anything where you are dealing with someone, whether they're providing an item or whether you're selling or buying or providing a service, then we should keep the, these con- the, the conduct and the ethics in mind. Definitely, Moana. I think we start off by saying the importance of monetary dealings. I mean, there are so many things, Moana. Uh, but as we go along, let's see how we go. And even, for example, if uh, while we are going in, maybe we might do it over two, two or three programs, but if there are something that comes up, uh, then I, I would suggest that uh, people also send us uh, points that uh, they have experienced so that we could maybe have a look at it. I think there will be a lot such examples that come up, and I'm sure there will be. So let's keep that in mind, and we will we will take it up, inshallah. Allah, and uh, the, the number that you can WhatsApp us on 0727861548. If you'd like to come on here as well, drop us a message, uh, and we will uh, call you back if you have something to share uh, on this topic. Well, you can continue. Yeah, I think the first thing is the importance of monetary dealings in Islam. Right, um, the longest ayat in the Holy Quran. It is to do with financial dealings. Now that tells you something. Uh, you know, it tells you something that, uh, that the longest ayat in the Holy Quran is to do with um, uh, business dealings and financial dealings, monetary dealings. In the 13-line Quran, it goes for a page and a page and a quarter, uh, just over a page. For you who believe that when you take a loan, then make two witnesses to it and write it down. Now, how many times there is great amount of confusion, conflict that comes about because of people uh, not adhering to this Quranic thing? They don't write down their loan. They don't uh, have witnesses to it. And they don't say when it must be paid back. And we all know what type of uh, situations that come about because of that. So it tells us a lot of with regard to it. To show you the importance of monetary dealings, uh, when we when we study, uh, you know, Alim calls and Moana, you you you'd also identify with this sure. that uh, uh, when we do study these things, uh, we do hidayah. Hidayah is a book on Islamic fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence. So only the first volume, the first volume, hidayah awal, is to do with all the ibadat. So Hidayah Awal speaks about uh, Taharat, Salat, Zakat, Hajj, and fasting. All of it is covered in one volume. The three volumes of Hidayah are to do with things over and above Ibadat. So the most difficult uh, part of Hidayah uh, is Hidayah Salih, the third volume of Hidayah. And the third volume of Hidayah only deals with monetary dealings, by and large, Kitabul Buyuk. 
and Kitabul Buyu was uh, when people were studying uh, Alim Kors, they know that it is one of the most difficult uh, you know, Hidayas to, 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 to learn. But it just tells you that three of the four volumes is to do for things up over and above Ibadah. But yet for us, the only thing that matters is Ibadah. But what about the other things? Imam Muhammad was once asked that why don't you write a book on Zuhad? Why don't you write a book on Taqwa? So this I always tell people, you know, sometimes you get uh, people say now, you know, this Monana, he talks about contemporary issues, he doesn't talk about Ibadit. I'm just giving an example, sometimes it can happen. He talks about contemporary issues. So Imam Muhammad was perhaps put in a similar type of, why don't you write on Taqwa? So Imam Muhammad Rahmatullah replied, I wrote a book on business dealings, on monetary dealings. Whoever practices upon it will become muttaqi. Whoever practices upon it, you will have taqwa. Can you imagine? I mean, they said, whoever practices upon it, you will have taqwa. The one who doesn't practice upon it won't have taqwa. Now, that tells you something. It tells you even with regard to our mindset. I mean, by and large, we, we will not look at it as something that uh, we, we, you know. So, it is, it is something that... Um, uh, we really need to look at it very, very carefully with regard to this particular matter. Mm. The importance of monetary dealings. There is no dichotomy in Islam between the spiritual and the mundane, between the world and the year after. Everything becomes deemed as long as it is done correctly and with the correct intention. Talabul halali, faridatun, ba'dal farida. The acquiring of halal risk is a farida. It is an Islamic obligation. Father Farida, after the Farida, is no doubt with regard to it after the uh, primary religious obligations. But it tells you something about the importance of it. That's so true, Mohan. And in a world where, where many books have been written about business and, and money and so on, uh, it's an it's and, and we, we, we are so happy that, that as Muslims we, we have this huge advantage that we can turn to our religious teachings as well and look at the, the Quran and the Hadith and so on for guidance uh, in, in our business dealings. Definitely. There is no doubt whatsoever. It is something that uh, we... we, we and there are many aspects with regard to the, the importance of it. Uh, the, the first thing that I would like to say is that uh, there are many, many avenues of halal risk. There are many avenues of halal risk. And um, many years back, I, I was, um, uh, I read an article somewhere, and I, 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 I made notes on it. Right? Uh, the importance of business is so important that uh, ulama have written and some have indicated towards the hadith that 90% of risk Allah has kept in trade, in business. 90% of risk Allah has kept in business. Therefore, I always tell parents and I tell people that uh, sometimes we take pride in our children becoming accountants, CAs, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's permitted. I'll never say it's not permitted. Uh, people can become CAs and they can work for KPMG or PWC. And we take a certain degree of pride. I mean, see, there is a certain degree of, you know, a pride attached to someone telling you my 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 son uh, worked for KPMG, but I was alright. It's okay. I'm not saying it's not permitted, but really, at the end of the day, we also we as a community, we have family businesses. And family businesses have kept us going for many long years. 
it has been the, the, the basis of our community uh, charity. And the way that business people give charity, other people don't give charity. Because one of the reasons is that there is, you know, there is, um, there is barakat in it. Right? So 90% of this Allah has kept in, in, in trade. You know, so we, we, we mustn't sometimes undermine the family business or business. And I find it sometimes also interesting that even professionals got business. So even if they have a thriving practice, they still have on the sideline business, which tells you a lot. And I think it's important that we, we, we the young people who are coming up, uh, start looking at this. I mean, business is something that uh, uh, Nabiya Karim Sallallahu has spoken so much about uh, business. The honest trader will be in the company of the Anbiya'i Musalatu Wasalam, the Siddiqin and the Mountains, subhanallah. You know, and there is great amount of emphasis upon trade. Allah Ta'ala in Surah Muzammil makes mention of people who go out for traveling for trade together with those who travel in the path of Allah and go out for jihad. يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Also those who go out in the, for, for trade. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يَبْتَغُونَ فَضْلًا مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانَ Allah makes mention of them in one ayat. Those who go out to travel for trade and those who go out to travel in the path of Almighty Allah, Allah mentions them in one ayat. Now it's important. You know, there was um, uh, uh, Haji Musa Budanya, Rahmatullahi. Always, you know, I learned a lot of things from him. I used to step in his office sometimes, one or two things he used to make mention. And he used to help the foreign ulama who used to come to go out for collection. Sometimes he used to go himself to certain people. Otherwise, sometimes he used to oversee and he used to tell the people uh, who are taking the ulama, you go here, you go here, you go there. So then he used to say, he used to call, you know, the call the ulama, he used to call him Malvibai. Malvibai to, you know, listen to this one. He say, a, a professional can earn a lot of money. You know, he say, just say a professional earns 150,000 rand a month. I'm just giving an example, right? And he said, after 150,000, if he gives 10,000, that 10,000 is gone. He's not going to get it again till the next salary. Huh? He said, when I'm say by, I, in business, you give 10,000 in the morning, in the next two hours, that will get back 20,000. He said, by, you know, there is barakat in this. He said, the professional by earn how much he wants. But after he gives 10,000, he doesn't get it back till the next paycheck. Right? So you have to wait another one month before he gets it back. He said the businessman gives 10,000. After two hours, he gets a business deal and he shares, he gets 20,000. So he said, by the, that is the reality with regard to business. So Allah has kept that. There, there is, I'm not saying that there isn't, uh, I mean, I, Monana, I, uh, you will enjoy this. So one day I, I, I found this and I, I, I wrote it down. There are many of our great ulama who were known by professions. So one day I made mention of this to an alim and he said, he's not sure whether those alims themselves were in that, um, you know, profession or their families were in that profession. So for example, Shamsul Aimma Sarakhsi is known as Halwai, right? So Halwai means person who sells sweetmeats, mitai. Now, either he was selling mitai or his family was selling mitai, right? So, for example, Ghazali. Ghazali is someone who, who, who the meaning of Ghazal is the one who, who involves himself in, in, 
فابريك معمار ابو بكر معمار سو ات امانس اور علماء وين وي سبيك ذا ديفرنت تايپ اوف روايات اند راويز ذات كمز ان ذا بوك اوف حديث يو جيت معمار رايت سو معمار مين ذا بلده خلال you know warraq you know so quduri right we do quduri the word quduri comes from the one who builds pots he used to make gigs right so these are our ulama who had profession now whether they themselves were in the profession or their families were in the profession but they were known as ulama with those professions khalal the person who made the vinegar warraq a person who was a bookbinder and it comes with the name of our rawis and our narrators in the books of hadith right uh, najjar uh, and then quduri ma'mar ghazali subhanallah you know kaffal allama kaffal and allama kaffal is the one who was a locksmith now i'm just giving an example that uh, to to be in trade is no there's nothing wrong with it allah taala in the holy quran has made mention that uh, the kuffar of makkah they found it uh, unusual to see nabi akram sallallahu in the marketplaces mali hada rasul yaakulu ta'am wa yamshi fil aswaq ajib how is this prophet of almighty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he eats food and he walks in the marketplaces so it is nothing against nabuwat to be in trade uh, allah taala says you know allah taala defended that particular aspect when the people of makkah they you know they objected to nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam been such it's amazing allah taala make it such that we understand the beauty of uh, the deen that covers all aspects of our lives just past 9:30 this is uh, the social program on radio islam international this uh, morning when i speaking about business ethics uh, we're going to cross over head into our half hourly news bulletin followed by the ad break When we come back we're going to continue with this discussion. This week on uh, the social program on Radio Islam International we're speaking all about uh, business ethics and uh, that uh, covers uh, the importance of trade and business and dealing uh, with money of course uh, and uh, as well as uh, the virtue of it Malan had mentioned earlier on in the program as well that uh, just being an honest businessman Uh, the reward for that is a person will be with the shuhada the martyrs the salihin the pious the anbiya alayhim as-salatu wassalam on the day of qiyamah so this is, is something that that, that uh, is of course allowed and something that brings barakah in a person's life and also to earn halal and to earn money in a halal way this is uh, one of uh, the duties and the responsibilities of a believer uh, you can interact with us uh, you can uh, interact with us uh, the whatsapp number 0727861548 anything that you would like to add on to the program or any questions that you have as well you can drop us a message on that number malana you can uh, continue Yes, Mona, I think uh, I, I have spoken already about the importance of trade and I said that there are many different uh, venues and avenues of halal risk, so I won't go much into that, but um, maybe we can start looking at some of uh, the important aspects, uh, you know, what, is, what are the, t- the type of things that we have to keep in mind with regard to uh, business ethics. Uh, maybe I could start off with that um, one of the, the most important Uh, business ethics in Islam and one of the most important principles is this that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram 
it is likewise not permitted to trade in that. So whatever Allah has made haram, it is likewise haram for you to trade and to buy and sell it. So irrespective of whether you are using it or not, to trade in it is not permitted. Now there are many examples like that we can quote. One of it would be uh, the importance, for example, of uh, not uh, selling uh, lotto. So lotto is, is, is haram. So if any particular Muslim business puts that out where he's selling the lotto ticket, it is haram because uh, it, it's not permitted. Anything that is haram is not permitted for you to trade in it. So, for example, if alcohol is haram, then it is likewise haram for you to trade in alcohol. Uh, Nabi Karim Sallallahu has cursed 10 people with regard to alcohol. The person who buys, the person who sells, the ones who pick it, picks it up, the one who does all different things with regard to it. So, um, if, for example, there is something meat that is haram, it is likewise haram for you to, to, to sell it. Uh, I, I was involved in the, you know, for a long time with the Jamiat. So uh, one of the things that I can always tell you that initially, when the Jamiat went into halal certification, via Mufti Bashir Sanjalvi, etc., uh, one of the reasons that it went into it was to make uh, halal meat available to for Muslim traders to, to, to sell. That was initially one of the major reasons for the halal certification. Muslim businessmen wanted to sell meat because meat was becoming such a huge item, right? So one of the reasons they went and who, who, who would have known that now meat would become such an issue that uh, it's so widespread that uh, nearly everyone today buys, buys meat from uh, commercial meat. Right? And it is a fact that uh, previously, say I, I would say 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, People never used to buy commercial meat, by and large. It's very little. They used to, uh, even with regard to the white meat, uh, many of us would recall that uh, the, the, our mothers used to, to take the chicken and they used to separate the white meat separately and they said, no, we're keeping it away for the pies and that. Then, now the white meat became such a big uh, commercial item. So, so, so what I'm trying to say is if meat is haram, it's not permissible for you to sell it, even if you are selling it to non-Muslims. Right. So the basic principle is what is what is halal is halal to sell. What is haram is haram to sell, even if you are selling it to non-Muslims. And this, this, this covers a very wide range of, of aspects that you can take into account. Well, there's a question here that has come through from uh, one of the listeners uh, speaking about uh, their home industry and they say that one of uh, the, the problems that they face and a big issue is begging people to pay us uh, and they say that they're in a hurry or they'll send the money and so on and then uh, the person has to now run behind them to get that money. Yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a very... It's a sad thing, but it's a reality. I mean, I, I will, I will, inshallah, during the course of this, speak on the importance of paying your your commitments, fulfilling your commitments, and the importance of paying your debt, because it is one of the the greatest commitments. Nabi Karim Sallallahu used to come, and he used to come to a janaza and ask the people, has this person left behind any debt? But 
And if it was said that he left behind a debt and he does not have enough capital to pay the debt, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu that Nabi who was known as Shafiq, who was known as compassionate, used to walk away and not perform the janazah. Right? On one occasion, something similar happened and the person came, Nabi Sallallahu said, has he got debt? Yes. Does he have enough money to pay it? No. Nabi Akrim Sallallahu was walking away. Ali radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, I take the responsibility of paying his debt. Then Nabi Akrim Sallallahu performed his janazah. I'm, I, I just find it very, very amazing that people can buy goods, sell the goods, and then make the person wait. Matlul ghani is zulm. The, the procrastination of an able debtor, a person who got money and does not pay his debt. Nabi Karim Sallallahu had said, it is zulm. It is an act of injustice. You got money, but you don't pay it. It is an act of injustice. Matlul ghani is zulm. Subhanallah. You know, and yet uh, it, is, it is a common practice. People have money, they don't pay. You go and ask them and say, why don't you pay your money? Things are hard, things are very difficult. Uh, things are not uh, going well. And then you say, okay, maybe you will try to be compassionate. And you try to be compassionate, you try to be compassionate as possible. And then all of a sudden, you hear that the man has gone for a holiday with his whole family and that holiday must have cost at least half a million. Or all of a sudden, he's taken his whole family for Nafil Umrah. I beg your pardon. Hmm? Paying your debt is more important than Nafil Umrah. If you got debt, then you first pay your debt and then you go for Nafil Umrah. In fact, ulama have written, if you got debt, uh, until you don't clear it, you know, you, you, you're you not even supposed to go for Hajj also. So yet people think that so lightly. It's just, it, 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 I can't understand this. On, so on what basis are you going for Nafil Umrah, which is a rewarding act, when you're leaving behind people who are complaining about you not paying them. It's not permitted. It's not right. Mine, uh, just another question here that has come through here. Mohammed mentioned of, of when it comes to business, uh, then anything which is haram, then of course a person cannot sell it in a person, uh, uh, even if you're selling it to non-Muslims. But they want to know that when it comes to a profession, like if a person is a chartered accountant, um, will it be okay for them to work for non-halal companies like brewery companies and so on? Will that be fine? Yes, it is, it is permitted for them to work, uh, to, uh, to work for a company like that. Ulama have given a basic principle as long as uh, the company that you are working with, it's basically the trade is uh, permitted. The overall trade, for example, you, you, you go to pick, you work for pick and pay. I'm just an example, you work for clicks. Now, within pick and pay, there might be a percentage of the uh, merchandise that will not be permitted. But obviously, the overall uh, merchandise of this is permitted. So it's permitted to work for a company that uh, basically it is a halal uh, industry. It is a halal. It's permitted. Jazakumullah khair enough for that, um, Marana. Um, right, we can continue with uh, the discussion. If there is anything else um, that you'd like to know, you can drop us a message. We are speaking all about uh, business ethics. Ma, you can continue. Yes, this particular aspect with regard to selling haram, it, it can go into a lot of things, lottery tickets, haram meat, um, uh, different types of, for example, alcohol and those type of things. Another important thing, Moana, and I think it's something that, uh, uh, you know, one of the most important things in, in uh, the business 
is clarity in your dealings. Uh, the Fukaha have always written that any transaction in which there is uncertainty, then that particular transaction is not permitted. Like, for example, the ulama used to give, and we, we sometimes when we were small, small, we used to think, now, how does this thing work? Like, for example, a farmer tells you, uh, I'm selling you the crop for half a million rand. I'm selling you the crop of the trees in my farm for half a million rand. Ulama clearly written is not permitted. And the reason why it's not permitted is because there's uncertainty. How much crop, how much fruit is going to come from there? So a person has a thriving orange farm. Come from Wombats, we know we had, once upon a time we used to have sweet home and then the person who was imported over uh, did something and the whole, uh, the whole orange farm went to waste and now I believe it's been in the process of being rebuilt. So a person comes and he, says, and he looks at all of these beautiful you know, orange trees and there's oranges on it. And he says, all right, uh, I'm buying this entire crop for 200,000 rand. Or I'm selling it to you for 200,000 rand. Well, my brother is not permitted. Why is it not permitted? There is uncertainty. So anything in which there is uncertainty, that transaction is not permitted. One of the things that is, it is quite problematic is when you go to a professional, all right, and you don't know what is going to be the charges of that professional. Right? And then many a times you all know that uh, one of the things that uh, come about is the aspect of, um, you know, one of the, the, the big problems that we have afterwards is that you don't expect such a big bill and it comes, it, it creates a lot of problems. And that is, there's a certain degree of uncertainty in it, which is not the best Islamic practice. So these are something that uh, really we, we, we have to look at very, very, uh, clearly, what, what exactly is the situation with regard to uncertainty in business? Uncertainty leads to a great degree of problems in everything, you know. Uh, another example of uncertainty is like um, uh, you find that um, people are in a business. The father is in a business and the children come in. And Mufti Taqi Usmani has written and has given a whole lecture on this. And he has given the various scenarios. I'm just giving you one scenario. So a father is in a business and the children join the business. So when they join the business, no one knows what is the responsibility of the children. No one knows what is the worth of the children in the business. Is the father keeping them there as paid employees? So are they employees or are they shareholders? Right. If they are employees, is there added benefit that the father is giving to them as employees? So maybe, for example, the father will be generous and say, all right, I'll buy you your people's cars. So every now and then, he buys the cars. And of course, that in itself creates a lot of problem because the first son, you bought him a Toyota, and the next son, you bought him a Mercedes. I'm just giving an example. Mm. And that creates so much of unnecessary tension in a family. Allah, what? There's no, there's no certainty. So it's left on the discretion. But at the end of the day, if, for example, um, you know, if if the father is the owner, then if he's the owner, then he's got the right to give to, whoever, to whomsoever he wants, but there, might, there must be fairness. And if there's not fairness, then that hadith comes into play, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ وَعَدِلُوا بَيْنَ أُولَادِكُمْ فِي اللَّهِ And be just with your children. Don't be unjust 
and don't favor one over the other. But now if he's the owner, well, he's the owner. He can, well, he can for example, give uh, as he pleases. Uh, then he has to look at the morality of it. But uh, technically, if he gives it to someone, well, it will, it will be, it will be uh, technically, it will be done. But we all know now, for example, if, for example, he wants to make the children uh, shareholders, on what basis is it? How much percentage there is? Uh, maybe he needs to give them money to put into it, uh, and then they can uh, invest in it, and they become shareholders. So all of these things, by and large, ne- is never, ever clarified. And many a times when the father passes away, then you find all the, the disunity coming up to the fore. No Papa told me this and Papa told me that. But there was nothing written. There was nothing terrified. And that becomes such a big major bone of contention. Why? Because there was no clarity. And Islam has given so much of emphasis upon clarity in our dealings. So, for example, some ulama have said it's a hadith. Some have said, no, it's a beautiful Arabic saying. That deal with even strangers as if they are family members. But deal with financial matters even with your family as if they are strangers. Deal with your own family members as if they are strangers. Pai pai ni hisab. Kori kori ni hisab. So even with your own close family members, you have to make hisab. Because if you don't make hisab, it causes unnecessary type of tension in the family. So one of the biggest, uh, you know, aspects with regard to, um, you know, ethics is there must be clarity in business transaction and unfortunately we don't find it happening well we do have uh, one caller on the line we're just going to go uh, quickly to that call we've just got a few minutes left but let's uh, go to that call assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh assalamu alaikum wa alaikum ji sister ji uh i just want to add a few uh, you know, with regard to the topic, um, yeah, I remember my teacher studying, and uh, the advice that Monana gave me was that, uh, you know, everybody can't be Hafiz, everybody can't be Aryan, but you need uh, professional people in your community to serve the own community. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, uh, not unlike the West, we believe that sustenance is from Allah, but um, when we don't look at the money, we serve humanity in that intention. Obviously, they better kind our lives. And then, uh, another thing, my, father, my late father, Allah grant him to those, he was a very intelligent man in the sense that he also had a business, but uh, he went forward and he also became a member of parliament in the financial, financial advisory council. But everybody, he resigned from there and he said to me, you know, um, Trade was a symbol of the Wittsalam. And there is no barakah uh, like the barakah in trade. So if you go on that intention and stay it, and also Yahweh uh, Baig, there was a book that he wrote about the business, the family business. It was an excellent book to take into account and practice upon uh, when you uh, running, when you're going into a family business. I remember I went to India, the south of India and Goa, uh, the spice of uh, there, gardens there, and there was a lecture that, uh, lecture said that, business, uh, generations down the line. 
And if you look at it, they go all over the world to study. Even they train all over the world to study, and they come back to their home, and um, uh, they either join the business, or I always say, even your, your whatever effort you may have, whether it's IT or whether it's KPMG or whatever, the first person to and be your family. Mm, bring, bring it back into the family, not into the family, into their own community. Right. And, uh, yeah, and there's no sense that it can't manage if you do it in the correct way. Is it to all your children with regards to finance and service? So, uh, I, I actually believe it, you know. It, in, 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 when I came from India, they're in businesses and right. children, the children were in the business for a long time. Okay. I think these are valuable things that we, we, we will try and incorporate in our coming meetings, inshallah. Inshallah. In our company program. Jazakallah so much. Jazakallah. I Ma, think these I'm are sure important. Ma'am, I'm sure there's, there's so much more. Inshallah, we will uh, continue with uh, this discussion over the next uh, few weeks, inshallah, on, on business ethics. There's so much uh, to cover. And Ma, before we do come to the end of the program, I was actually going to ask Mohan at the beginning of the program about, about the, the recent Sira Jalsas. Well, I, I must say that Sira um, Jalsas are always amazing. To speak about our beloved Nabi Karim Sallallahu is beyond us. Allah Ta'ala gives us a tawfiq and may Allah Ta'ala accept from us. Uh, this year's Sira programs were, uh, you know, over three cities. Uh, I took part in the Johannesburg one and in the Cape Town one, and other ulama took part in the K Durban one. Alhamdulillah, I must say that um, despite whatever happens, uh, Allah Taala has given the fact that people uh, want to hear about our beloved Nabi Karim Sallam. It was, uh, you know, amazingly, you know, in the sense that well attended, um, beyond sometimes our expectations. Cape Town was the first time it happened. And um, they were so excited and they were looking at inshallah, if Allah Ta'ala keep us alive, we must continue with all of that. And it is just amazing. And we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. I mean, really, uh, there has been uh, one or two challenges in this regard, but uh, despite that, it, we, the, the, the challenges were overcome. And it was so well attended. And I'll just give you one small, uh, you know, incident that happened with us, Molana. Uh, now, I'm not uh, here to, to, to judge anyone, I'll, but I've seen something that happened in my own, in front of my own eyes, and I thought I would share it. So when we were, you know, going by plane from here to Cape Town, uh, we were with uh, five, six walama, we were together. And during the course of the flight, uh, Mufti Mank, Mufti Ismail Mank was with us. And there was a, a you know, well-dressed well, well person who was from the government. He was working in, in, in a chartered accountant when he was doing some consultancy work. And he came to Mufti Sahib and said, I'd like to speak to you. And I said, I've, I've benefited so much from your post. And it is well known. I mean, uh, whatever the situation is that Monana has given Mufti Sahib such a wide reach. So I'm telling you what I saw. I'm not going to make mention of anything else. So he said that um, you recently took out a clip with regard to the rights of the fathers. That value your father. Your father is more important to you than your friends. He said it had such a big impact upon me and my children because my children, they always listen to their friends. And as a father, I became very, very frustrated. So he said, when your post and your clip reached me, I took it and I said it to all my children. Now, this is a non-Muslim person who's telling this. Then when he came into Cape Town, you know, obviously, Allah has given Mufti Sahib that type of personality. People come around him and he's surrounded. 
so one black woman came and said, Mufti, Mufti Meng, Mufti Meng, she heard a Muslim. She came and she said that um, you ne- recently made mention of a clip that anyone who has problems must go and ask Almighty. You said, what is it? You said, the hajj, the hajj, she was trying to find it difficult. You must pray to the Almighty in the early hours of the morning. Is there anyone who has got a problem and doesn't pray in the early hours of the morning is not serious about his problem? She said, since I heard your club, Mufti, I, I get up every morning and I pray. I will wait, whatever she prayed according to her situation. And I just look at it and said, yeah, Allah, look at this. How, you know, a club that we, you take for granted, how it reaches different types of people. But uh, this is something that, um, you know, we, we need to take into account. People have different um, uh, reach. People have different, uh, you know, different types of um, uh, skills. And maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can use that in different ways. So all in all, it was a remarkable experience. I took the opportunity of visiting the elderly ulama in Cape Town after the day. Uh, I went to meet uh, Imam Yusuf Pandey, who is 80-odd years, 83 years. He's the head of the Mankakers. Every year, they go, every month, they go and see the, the, the moon. And he's the head of the Mankakers. I went to see uh, Sheikh Amin Fakir, 87 years of age. And when he relates, you know, aspects of fiqh, you know, the Hanafi fiqh says this, and he just starts speaking and he starts relating the, the actual text. Subhanallah, you know. So all in all, uh, you know, uh, traveling does uh, widen your horizons and widens your visions. And alhamdulillah, it was a very wonderful experience. And we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfill the objectives of it. And Allah-